and welcome to Easy Bake Takes, the podcast where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name is Kat. And I'm Riley. This week, we watched one of my favorite movies, Perks of Being a Wallflower. You know, just to take a break between the entire Twilight Saga and surprise, next we're doing the Hunger Games trilogy. We just got to take a, a brief break before we get back into those YA film adaptations. A trigger warning before we start, because this film deals with mental health, suicide, essay, and homophobia, and some some of these topics are going to be mentioned throughout, and they are mentioned throughout the film itself, so if you're sensitive to that, maybe just skip this one. The plot of this movie is socially awkward teen Charlie is a wallflower, always watching life from the sidelines, until two charismatic students become his mentors. Free-spirited Sam and her stepbrother Patrick help Charlie discover the joys of friendship, first love, music, and more while a teacher sparks Charlie's dreams of becoming a writer. However, as his new friends prepare to leave for college, Charlie's inner sadness threatens to shatter his newfound confidence. This film is based on a novel. Again, we're doing book adaptations. I guess that's just our thing right now. Yeah. Um, but this is based on a novel by Stephen Jaboski, who actually wrote the script and directed the film. It's one of the few books that I've actually like read and finished. The story's kind of based on... Like some some of the ideas in it are fictional and some of it are from his own personal experiences growing up. It's set in the 1980s, right? It's the 1980s, right? Not yeah. 90s. Yeah, it's the yeah. 80s. Set, set, in the, set in the 1980s and just another thing that it would have been a fun fact, but we're talking about him specifically. The Rocky Horror scenes are filmed at the Hollywood Theater in Dormont where Chabosky actually saw Rocky Horror Picture Show for the first time when he was younger, which I think is really cute. So I'm assuming that he grew up in like Pennsylvania because that's where this film is set. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was produced by Mr. Mud Productions, which is actually John Malkovich's production company, and which I'm noticing kind of a trend because I'm pretty he he produced uh, Juno as well, right? Yeah, he was one of the producers on that movie. I feel like he might just have a thing for like young adult coming of age films, which I think is really cool. Oh yeah, he's got good taste, definitely. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he's got great taste. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like Juno is one of your favorite movies. Oh yeah, Perks Being a Wallflower is one of my favorite yeah. movies. Like it just it makes sense. Yeah, this movie came out in 2012. I saw it in theaters when it came out. I think I was like in eighth grade or something. The cast of this movie: Logan Lerman plays Charlie, who is the main character. Another movie he was in that's my one of my favorite roles that he's ever played is when he was in the movie Fury. But you might know him better for being like Percy Jackson or whatever. A series that I did not read the books for. I just kind of watched the movies. I never read those books. Did you read the Percy Jackson books? No, I never read them. And I remember only getting a few minutes into Percy Jackson before turning it off. I liked liked it. I don't think it's the best of like those kind of movies. I I just couldn't get into them. Yeah, that's fair. I just love Greek mythology. So I was like, I'm on board. But Emma Watson plays Sam. I tried to find something that wasn't Harry Potter (laughs) on her IMDb page, but she was in Little Women. It's just like, it's Wild that there's two two people from young adult book adaptations, films, yeah. series. Did you see her in Sleeping Beauty? Oh, wait. We saw that together, didn't we? we yeah, we literally. Yeah. No, it wasn't Sleeping Beauty. It was Beauty and the Beast. Oh, so yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, we, we saw that together. And they did her an injustice by auto-tuning her it and not letting someone horrible. else just sing. <laughs> yeah. My God. Yeah, it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you liked that movie, that's fine. But like... Uh, we were not fans of it. Mm-mm. But Ezra Miller plays Patrick, and I refuse to list a movie from him because he did choke a fan on video. I... And 
Yeah, that's something people forget a lot. Well, they forget because it was wiped from the internet. Yeah, he must have a really good PR team because that video gets taken out anytime that it's yeah that's it's an insane it's an insane thing where that video was just absolutely take nobody talked about it I I think it's up right now because Variety Magazine covered it like they covered it in 2020 they were like hey remember this yeah yeah he like lost his temper and after she jokingly challenged him to a fight and he choke slammed her to the ground Jesus Christ Oh my god yeah. so he does not get a favorite movie pick from me um and we won't be really focusing on him as an actor during this just mention that he's in it and then may whitman plays mary elizabeth and i honestly i think she's a phenomenal actress um she's been acting for a really long time she was actually in arrested development but she does a really good job in that um she also voices a character in american dragon jake long Another actor of, like, importance is Paul Rudd playing Mr. Anderson. He's not in the movie a whole lot, but, like, he's a very important character. So I'm not going to not mention Paul Rudd being in this movie. Are you kidding? you got to mention him. Have you seen him in Clueless? Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) He's a cutie, and he doesn't age. I saw a side-by-side picture of, like, it was, like, a Polaroid of him from Clueless, and then, like, a picture of him today. He looks better today than he did in that Polaroid. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. He just is aging like fine wine. <laughs> he probably is a vampire. I, I have a list of people who I think are vampires. There are other uh, notable actors in this film, but those are just the ones I'm going to mention for now. So we can move on to thoughts and feelings and opinions about this movie. So go ahead. Tell me what you thought. I love this movie. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. I think with my mom. <laughs> but um, it was really... I loved it. We watched this movie a ton in high school. As much as it is like awesome and warm mm-hmm. and funny, it mm-hmm. is also a very heavy movie. It w- it definitely shaped my personality as a young oh, child. Yeah. It so. made us unbearable for a oh, little bit. Oh, yeah. The music taste. Yeah, like that soundtrack was all I would listen to for a while. Oh, yeah. I got That's how I got introduced to the Smiths. <laughs> oh, same here. I had yeah. no idea who the Smiths fucking were before well, that. Well, my mom hates the Smiths, so she well, wasn't going to tell me. fairly so, because Morrissey sucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't... The second those allegations or, like, those, like, the, the stuff that ha- that um came out about him, my mom was like, I knew it. I was the person that always said it. <laughs> Even back in the 80s, she was saying mm-hmm. it. I hate that. She always hated him, and it just uh, proved her right. <laughs> yeah. She was like, I've been right this whole time. I've been right this whole time. And she was. She was. Yeah, she was. It breeded some some very unbearable hipster children, mm-hmm. and we were we were part of that group. Oh yes! Like I feel like if you look at me now, I look like I went through that phase. You know, yeah. like <laughs> it's very clear that this movie had a big effect you on me as a person. You look like you like perks of being a wallflower. <laughs> you look like you stole half of your personality from this movie. <laughs> Definitely. Um, what what else did you think of it? Anything stand out? Any silly moments? Love the Rocky Horror Picture Show moment. I love that. I think it's really fun scene. Patrick as a character, it's just like... Okay, not to talk about him, like the actor, but like the character itself is a wonderful character. I love that character. Yeah. I think he's hilarious. Yeah. C average. I love it. Yes. C's yeah, that's in, my, that's, in my, that's in my list too. Anything else? Nope. Okay. I'm sure you'll think of something when I get into mine. I probably will. Some quotes that stood out to me and some that I remember from um, watching this growing up. This one, this first one, is after something shitty happens. It's after Ponytail Derek like slaps Charlie's sister. Mm. When his sister says, 
Charlie, this is Ponytail Derek. I can handle him. He's like, still being put down even after like, hitting you call her. Your, you call your boyfriend Ponytail Derek? Yeah. I mean, he deserves it after doing that to you, but like, oh yeah. so funny for like just a very serious moment for her to be like, it's Charlie, it's, it's Ponytail Derek. It also Derek. just shows her self-esteem too, like yeah. knowing she's dating Ponytail Derek. <laughs> like she's not unaware of those jokes yeah. made about him. Oh, yeah, because something I realized now is when she goes to college, she immediately, like, joins a sorority and is, like, a different person. And, like, she she dumps him, too. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's one of those things where she probably was, like, you know, shaping her personality after the person she's dating. And That's what high school is, and, like, I think they show that very well because, like, you know, she dated a really shitty dude and then dumped him after. And then she was, like, oh, that's not what I'm about. I don't want to yeah. be like that guy. Exactly. Um, but the the other the other quote, um, I wanted to point out that like Sam as a character has some of the cheesiest fucking lines. Like she gets like the worst stupid lines. Like her saying, "I'm not bulimic. I'm not a bulimic, Charlie. I'm a bulimist." Oh gosh. And she's like, "I just really believe in bulimia." It's like the the that line. Yes, it sounds like something that a silly little high school student would say. Mm-hmm. But it's so random in that scene because they're literally talking about what music they all listen to. I'm so confused by that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you could have, maybe we should have just taken that line out. It's so cringy. (laughs) It is. It's very cringy. Oh, something I, something I forgot to mention before. I thought I put it in my notes, but I didn't. I don't think my brain fully processed what happened. Like I knew that he got um, molested by his aunt, Mm -hmm. but I think it's so like underlied. Like, it's so in the background of everything. Like, it's just kind of processing that. It's just kind of happening Mm -hmm. in the background. So it's like, I don't think I really got the magnitude of it when I was watching it in high school. But, like, watching it this time, I was like, holy shit. Like, this kid is dealing with his best friend killing himself. Mm -hmm. And that happening to him as a kid. And those memories probably are popping back up and shit. And it's just like, he is going through it. And still having to pretend like he's okay all the time. Yeah. For me, it's like it's when I was watching. It's like a slow reveal because he said his aunt was his favorite person, and I think it's just because of like she probably was, and but dealing with that trauma that happened to him, yeah. from her too, because she died horrifically. She died going to get his Christmas present. Yeah, that's that was like the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. she, there's so much of his like trauma in this mm-hmm. is related to her. And it says a lot that, like, he is so drawn to Sam and, like, mm-hmm. Sam reminds him of his aunt. Like, mm-hmm. it, that has its own implications, too. Yeah. But something I liked about it being more in the background and it just, like, is slowly being revealed is, like, when you're that age, you don't know how to work through that kind of stuff. Mm-mm. So no. you're just – it's just kind of, like, happening in your mind. And either – some people put it all outward and they act out and they do things that they, like, might – not normally do because they're Mm -hmm. dealing with this horrendous shit but for charlie it was like i'm gonna keep this quiet because Mm -hmm. it's clear too that like his family's always worried about like how he's doing mentally Mm -hmm. and so he doesn't want to make them worried yeah so he's not gonna like talk about it and like make it an outward thing and he might not be ready to talk about that stuff in general because oh yeah exactly that is some very traumatic stuff to talk about and you just yeah you know how do you how do you just go about saying that? Telling people yeah. about that, you know? Definitely. Because, like, I just... I think that's part of the beauty of this movie. Mm-hmm. Is, like, all of these characters are dealing with awful shit. 
but they still have to like do like live their life and try to enjoy themselves as much as they can and I just think it's very successful in doing something like that. Now to the less serious notes that I had. This isn't completely unserious but his older brother seems like re- like a really sweet character like I genuinely love that character especially like the little talk like little heart to heart that they have like mm-hmm. at Christmas time. And he just, like, asks him how he's doing. Like, I just think that's really sweet. Like, I like that his his family is, like, sweet and seems like they care as much as they can for what they notice. Exactly. And that that's the other thing, too. Like, they show, like, you know, he doesn't come from, like, a heartless family. Like, his family cares yeah. about him. Yeah. He has people that cares about him throughout this movie. Definitely true about a lot of teens. Like, they, exactly. they're going through this shit. It doesn't mean that their family is not asking them if they're okay or, like, caring about mm-hmm. them. It's just, like, the fact of, like, you don't want to worry people. Like, you don't don't want to make people feel like they have to watch you all the time. So, Mm -hmm. like, you're not going to talk about it. But that doesn't mean that your family doesn't care. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, yeah, yeah, I just love how warm this movie can be. Like, like, just, like, he does have support in different ways. And his sister still acts like an older sister. Like, she's not nice to him all the time. No. That's how how siblings are. I enjoyed that, too. Like, it, it just seems very, like, as much as a movie can like realistic and I understand why a lot of people find this movie to be really relatable mm-hmm. and like I find it very relatable too mm-hmm. um the, the other thing I skipped past all the other lines I was gonna talk about a line that I say every time someone gives me a gift that I really like um it's one of my favorite lines it's from I forget what his name is the friend that like is a stoner is in culinary school or something and he's just sitting there he's like hi and someone got him bubbles as his present for secret <gasps> santa and he's like yeah he knows me. He really knows me. <laughs> I remember that one. I love that. I love that line. And then the other one I wrote down was, woo, I'm below average. <laughs> was me. That was me the entirety of high school. Because like you said earlier, C's get degrees. C's get, uh, I can't say it anymore. C's get degrees. They indeed there we go. do. <laughs> but now we can move on. Um, do you have anything else that you want to add before we move on actually? No. Okay. So we can move on to the critical reviews. Most of them were pretty positive. One thing that gets mentioned a lot, though, is the fact that how the fuck did they not know the song Heroes by David Bowie? Everyone knew who David Bowie was. So yeah, literally. There's no way. There's no way they're going to yeah. go, oh, there's they're this not new that artist, David Bowie, that we yeah, haven't like listened to. Like, no, you're going to know who that guy is. They're constantly at the record store, according to them, no talking kidding. to each other. Like, yeah. You just only go to the Smiths section? No kidding. (laughs) But this first review that I have is from the Austin Chronicle and is written by Kimberly Jones in 2012. Jones gives this a 2.5 out of 5. Starting with, quote, Ripe dramatic material, but Chabosky surrounds his hurting characters with the cinematic equivalent of a hug circle, which is sweet, but rather antithetical to tension building, unquote. And then, quote, In this sensitive but still water, Bill Dunes Roman which is just a fancy word for a coming-of-age novel. I hate when they do that. It's, it's... Irritates the crap out of me. But I only put that in there because they used an unnecessarily fancy word. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they end this review with, quote, In its best stretches, the film captures the electrifying sensation an outcast feels when he finds his people. Truly, every shy, thoughtful kid deserves the same kind of support system that rallies around Charlie when his depression overwhelms him. But even as Charlie's grip on sanity starts to go, Chabosky's tone of gentle optimism never wavers. So it's like, this one, it seems like they kind of had some issues with it, mm-hmm. but they still understand the effectiveness of a movie like this. Yeah. You know? 
are they like complaining that they think it's too sweet i guess i guess so like um it, i guess this the caring and support system kind of aspect takes away from like the tension that could be built like especially with the end of the movie mm-hmm. but even then no one's home when he's tr- about to like yeah. do that and yeah. What, do you want him not to ha- be able to call his sister and tell her something's wrong? Like- yeah, that's the thing. And, like, also, like, that's what draws me to the movie. If there wasn't a support system for him, I feel like this would be a way darker movie. Yeah, and there would be nothing And I probably happening. wouldn't want to watch it because it's yeah. just sad. And I think it's more realistic to show that he does have a support system and he is still yeah. struggling and that's okay. You know, Yeah, like, exactly. And it's not like he's cured whenever he no, calls his sister. Yeah, exactly. Like, he goes immediately to, like – the hospital like he's not Mm -hmm. he's not just sent back out and let they don't just let him go home Mm -mm. like that's what would happen if like some another teenager were to do something like this like Mm -hmm. they wouldn't just get to go home and like just go back to normal life immediately like you'd Mm -mm. you'd have to take a little bit of time in a hospital before you could do that Mm -hmm. um especially with what charlie attempted to do i don't know because i feel like that hope needs to be there yeah exactly but we'll move on to the next one it's from the next best picture podcast by nicole ackman from 2021 who gives this movie a nine out of ten and before they get into so i think it was just a transcript i read from the podcast itself but they put the good and the bad at the the very top just to list their general thoughts about it so under the good they believe that there were strong performances and that coupled with the screenplay really anchor this coming-of-age story and it's touching without being overly sentimental and something that was bad they just feel like too many plot points were packed into this movie which there is there's a lot of a lot of character stories going on Mm -hmm. but the focus is still always charlie i'm not confused by anything because there's too many plot points or like i'm not distracted like it's i don't think it's too much i mean there's a lot i I will say that but it's not yeah overwhelming i don't think it's an unrealistic way to portray it either because like Mm -hmm. when you're going through shit it doesn't mean that everyone else in the world isn't either yeah something that they found unique about this movie is that chabosky wrote the book and the movie and directed it which i agree like it's kind of a big deal that he was able to and i think he did a good job considering because i feel like that could go bad really easily to me i think it it makes more sense that he wrote the book wrote the screenplay and then directed it because like mm-hmm. i feel like i mean if you wrote the book you get to show what you want to show in the like mm-hmm. i don't know to me that gives like if you can direct the movie to your own book i feel like you should because yeah. i feel like that we're gonna could be really good insight to your book and how you view it yeah. and how what you want to express in yeah. the film and i feel like if if the movie is good people can't complain about how it was done a whole lot because it's mm-hmm. like you can say that you you interpret it this way but the literal writer like author of the mm-hmm. book interprets it the way it's shown in the movie so yeah. um but the next thing is that the the movie deals with delicate deals very delicately with these the weighty topics that are discussed but it never feels like it's exploiting those things yeah. um, which i also agree like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel like it's only using those to make the story more interesting it's just like it's trying to tell a story about these things exactly um and that also the characters aren't completely defined by the struggles that they're like dealing with um and then praises the performances of watson and miller but says that 
Logan Lerman is truly the star of the show um, and isn't like outshined by anybody. They end the they end the review with quote. Many who love this film can identify its iconic lines and moments, like the tunnel scene, even nine years after it came out, end quote. Mm -hmm. And then, through the ups and downs in the lives of teenagers, one thing is constant, music. Mm -hmm. In this movie, as with the novel, the music becomes a character in itself. Mixtapes run rampant. That tunnel scene, I think that's something that, like, defines, that's something from our generation that, you know, like, you know those 80s iconic scenes? Yeah. That's one of ours. You know? We are infinite mm-hmm. is definitely that cheesy line from our from our adolescence. <laughs> and that scene. I yeah. That's com- that's like a complete like fucking block of cheese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like that is a wheel of cheese. But it's And I love it. It's nostalgic. <laughs> it's 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 nostalgic, so it's fun. Cheese is um, good. Cheese is good. The next one that I have is from Alternate Ending. And it's titled Movies I Missed in 2012 and was written by Tim Brayton in 2012. Tim gave Perks Being a Wallflower a 6 out of 10, starting with, quote, Though Patrick and Sam's ministrations notwithstanding, it actually takes a fantastically ill-judged and easy-guessed twist mired in a dime store Freudianism to solve Charlie's social woes, which does rather tend to undercut the message in a way that Chbosky couldn't have intended. Brayton also calls Charlie's monologue at the end, the one that involves the We Are Infinite, mm-hmm. calls it cheesy, which it That's is, fine. but it's, it's fine. Um, and then says that the massive plot points are clustered together. Um, and it <laughs> says, quote, I would have recognized the song Heroes in 1991 and I was 10. Oh, I guess this, this is set in the 90s, not the 80s. It's like 1990. Is it? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My bad. This I film's actually set 80s, in the 90s. But yeah. The, those eras blend they together blend. a little bit. Yeah, they blend. Because, you know, the beginning of a decade isn't like hard set a different looking thing. And then says that the movie's fun to pick on, but its worst sins are generic. And the film is good in the realm of like a high school coming of age movie. So like Brayton doesn't think it's a terrible movie, but it's fun to spend time with these characters. And that counts. Doesn't agree with most of Chbosky's camera choices. And then it says that it wasn't special, but quote, every generation needs its own touchstones, I guess. I'm not quite sure what generation exactly is supposed to be feeling this one, but I hope they find it. It's us. It's us. It's Gen Z. It's, it's literally like the, the teenagers old. who went to go see that movie in theaters. Yeah. So it's, it's us. old Gen Z. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. the fucking we are, oldest we're such people. Old. We're the we're oldest old Gen, of Gen Z. Z's. Oh no, we're going to be like the elder millennials, but like oh. elder Gen Z. That's us. We're the elder Gen Z. Mm-hmm. We're only like fucking... 22 and 23 so yeah but yeah that's this we are the generation that this movie spoke to yeah like i i yeah i like that they acknowledge that like this this movie is important to a generation yeah like it is it's our generation this movie is very important to people i just love he's like what generation this is for i don't know i'm like it's like maybe the teenagers when the fucking you know there's other teenagers you know there's teenagers right now (laughs) like you know they exist they didn't, you didn't outgrow the, te- you know. Like, do you think that this movie was for people who were teenagers in the 90s? No. Exactly. Like, no. Yeah. Came out in 2012. It's for me. It's for yes. me. <laughs> it's from eighth grade cat, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so the next one is from The Spectator and is titled Young Love and was written by Deborah Ross in 2012. I didn't see a rating, but it was rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Quote, I'm not convinced you can be a wallflower if you're as ravishing as Emma Watson. 
and then calls the Sam's character a slag, which if you don't know is slang. Basically, she's calling her a slut um, and blames that on her childhood, which like I get, I get, but like this writer was being such a dick about it for no reason. First off, she's calling her a slut, which is offensive, and then saying she's a slut because of what happened to her in her childhood. Yes. That's you know, horrible. getting molested by her dad's business partner. Oh, that's so offensive. They didn't point out specifically, like, the what happened to her. They just blame it on her childhood, which, let but, me just say, that psychologically could be a cause for promiscuity, but, like, that doesn't need to be mentioned here. No, well, also, you don't have to be, like, I don't know. It just sounds so negative. We'll move on to the next thing because that pissed me <laughs> off when I read it. I was like, yeah. why are you being such a dick? And then contrary to another review we read, this reviewer believes that the character's trauma is part of their character and that it's not threaded throughout the narrative well, which I think is just blatantly wrong. Yeah. They aren't, they aren't defined by the shit that's going on in their life. It's stuff that happened to them, but it doesn't. No, it does not define them. No. Prime example, Patrick's the one who is currently going through something that is mm-hmm. happening right then. And he is just, it is under the surface mm-hmm. until it like blows up, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like, he's not defined by that shit happening to him. No. It's just his character's arc. Like yeah. that is what happens to his character. Exactly. This was the one that made me the angriest out of all the ones that I read. Yeah. Um, How old is this person who wrote this, by the way? I don't know. I could. I don't remember enough to, to say. Okay. But, this could be a young person who's being a dick too. Like it's not. I don't think it's necessarily specific to an sounds, old person saying it. It sounds outdated, um, and it sounds yeah. like it came from someone who was older. And then in my notes, I went on a rant about this next point. So I'm about to go on a rant about this next point. Uh-huh. Um, they critique the fact that Charlie just shouts out at, that his best friend took his life, and then it is never mentioned again. Have you ever? met a teenager who's gone through something like that where their best friend has killed themselves or they just have some major trauma that's happened to them. Mm-hmm. He was high and he probably wouldn't have told Sam that that happened if he wasn't stoned. Exactly. Like, teenagers are, are children. They're still children. They don't know how to process that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So like a teenager's friends isn't going to know how to handle that either. So they just like will probably talk about it amongst themselves, mm-hmm. not with him. They'll just like mention that he said that to them. It doesn't need to get brought up throughout the story. It's just kind of like, this is where Charlie's at in his life. Mm-hmm. He's just started high school and his best friend killed himself. Like that is just, that is just to show where he's at mentally and that mm-hmm. like he has shit going on. Mm-hmm. Like what more do you fucking want? Teenagers don't, what do you want them to do? Like sit down and have like a, a group therapy session? Mm-hmm. I didn't start really talking about mental health things with friends until I graduated college, maybe a Mm -hmm. little bit while I was in college. I would not have been able to talk to a friend about their friend killing themselves. Yeah. You just, you're literally their friend to keep them happy and like Mm -hmm. make sure that they're feeling happy. But like, what the fuck? Why is that even a critique of this? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that either. I don't know why either. But also like friends are, you know, when you do want to talk about that stuff, they're there to listen. Yeah. be supportive. And he's like a fucking 14-year-old. He's a freshman in high school. Mm. Like, that's something I forget, too. Like, he's supposed to be 14 or, like, oh, 15. Wow. 14 or 15. Because he's a fucking freshman. 
Yeah. And they're like 17 year olds. That's not a fucking adult. No. I'm sorry. When they, when they turn 18, still not an adult, really. Mm-hmm. Like you're still a kid. Mm-hmm. I hated that review. Yeah. Um, but we'll move on to the last two that I have. The next one is from Sarah's Backstage Pass and is written by Sarah Knight Adamson. I'm pretty sure she did a review of New Moon or Eclipse. This was written in 2012, and Adamson gave the film 3.5 out of 5, saying that the novel was wonderful. So, quote, whether you're struggling through your teens or you struggled 1, 10, or even 50 years ago, The Perks of Being a Wallflower is a relatable tale of navigating the rough terrain to feel comfortable in your own skin. She also really liked the journal entry style narration of just Charlie narrating it through his letters. Mm-hmm. And then, well, the casting gods shined upon this film. The la- the one before this one was the only one that didn't mention any redeeming qualities of the movie, even if it had criticisms. Mm-hmm. And like all of the other ones understand that even if they didn't like this film, it's important to young people. So, And it yeah. had like good aspects to to it. Exactly. It it had like really good moments and really good parts. And then the last one that I had was from the independent critic, Richard Propes, who gave it a four out of four. And Propes (laughs) Propes describes the film, describes films that uh, will rattle the cages of your soul and touch you in a deep place and saying that Perks of Being a Wallflower is that kind of film. He believes that it's not cliche at all and that it's actually just refreshingly honest and authentic especially compared to a lot of other high school movies that had been made up to that point. The way that Charlie's story unfolds feels truthful and that makes it like more painful to watch. Um, and that Patrick and Sam have their own wounds as well, but they seem to exist in a happier place because they have those friendships that they built and they had mm-hmm. such a strong friend group throughout them. Um, and Perks was Logan Lerman's finest work to date, according to Richard Propes. Um, he also praises the growth of Lerman's acting ability up to that point. And Watson portrays Sam's free-spiritedness very well. She, for the most part, conquers the American accent, which I'm glad he mentioned because there are moments when she slips into British just a little bit. Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't have the best American accent, but that's fine. She's a great actress. And then the 1991 pop culture references are done in a way that makes the movie feel authentic. He also praises the intimate and revealing camera work that was done by cinematographer Andrew Dunn, as well as the killer soundtrack and terrific score by Michael Brook. And Propes ends the review with, quote, with honesty, authenticity, a lack of faux sentimentality, and a sense of affection for its characters and all their glorious quirks. The Perks of Being a Wallflower celebrates the stories that make up our lives and the friends and loved ones who help us survive the journey, end quote. Richard always gets it. He does. Like, anytime Richard has an opinion about a movie, I'm usually within the same. Yeah. Like, he just gets it. Yeah. Like, even if a movie is not, like, the entire Twilight series. Like. Oh, my gosh. He was honest, but, like, he wasn't, like, hating on them. Yeah. Except for. If he didn't uh, like it, he would legitimately, like, for Breaking Down Part 1, right? Yeah. But, like, everyone hates that. (laughs) I was going to say, except for his feelings about Taylor Lautner. Um, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) A hatred. <laughs> it was a hatred. But yeah, that he, he really does. He has he has really on on point opinions about movies. That's why we always mention him. He, I mean, he's also watched like almost every movie we've he's done. Watched like every movie. Every time we pick a movie, he has an he has an article about it, and like, he's our shining star. <laughs> he is our shining star. Um, 
Let's see. I I I think his he's really good with his words. I think is yeah. yeah. Like the way he described everything good about this movie is like he said it beautifully. Like yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm like he he encompassed how I feel about this movie. Oh yeah. So I I don't have Completely. anything more to say than absolutely Richard. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's that's one thing with a lot of these reviews is like they sum it up pretty decently. So it's pretty like well. there's we don't have a whole lot to add unless they're just being a dick about the movie or something. You know. Yeah. Um. But we can misogynistic yeah. towards Emma Watson. Emma Watson's character. Same. Yeah. Literally. Um. But we can move on now to the uh, audience reviews, which are mm-hmm. a little. Always a little more unhinged. Um, a little spicy. A little spicy. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one I have is a 10 out of 10. And it is from IMDb and was written in 2012. Um, an amazing movie that sucks you in and doesn't let go. Words cannot do this justice. Watch this! Exclamation point. I say A+. And then they quote Emma Watson with the welcome to the island of misfit toys at the beginning of this. And then they go into the review and say, Charlie is a very, very shy boy just starting his graduation, uh, wait, no, just starting his freshman year in high school. From his first day, he counts down the days till his graduation. He meets two seniors, Sam and Patrick, who help him adjust. There are a few movies that can suck you in in the first few minutes. This is one of them. This is a movie that has a character that everyone can relate to, which is very rare these days. There's also movies that are so good that words cannot express how good they are. This is also one of those. I honestly can't express how great this movie is and cannot recommend it highly enough. I was actually fighting back tears almost the entire time. And for me saying that about a non-sports movie, that is saying a lot. I really have nothing (laughs) else to say except this is an absolute must-see. Overall, wow. Just wow. I give this an A+. I love reviews like that where like they'll even go like, and I'm not usually one to say... Yeah. Movies like this are good. I love those. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorites. It's like it wasn't Remember the Titans, so it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still good. <laughs> still good. I love that. <laughs> Me too. So this one's a little off the wall. And it was just so random that I had to include it. So this one's a 1 out of 10 from IMDb from 2016. And it is titled, There Are Almost No Shark Attacks. Oh. Okay. <laughs> And then they say, actually, I don't think there was a single shark attack. I kept thinking throughout the film, maybe this is where the shark will come and attack. But I don't even recall a scene where any characters were even near the ocean. The whole story takes place around Pittsburgh, which is in western Pennsylvania. This is an area world-renowned for having no sharks. (laughs) The cast was great. Ezra Miller being the standout. But I feel like they shouldn't sell a movie on a marketing campaign around shark attacks, but then have no gosh darn shark attacks. The movie felt as if it were leading up to a trip to the ocean, where Logan Lerman's character would be attacked by a shark. (laughs) This motion picture was almost all built up with no payoff. The payoff here being that there were no sharks and no shark attacks. Jaws was a good movie because it promised shark attacks, was suspenseful, and had shark attacks. That is how you make quality cinema. Did eight-year-old me watch this <laughs> and write this review? <laughs> you time-traveled, watched Perks Big Wallflower. Yeah. But I I've, have a high, like a heavy suspicion this person just thought this would be funny. And I agree. I think it's so silly and random. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't know if they had a point no. to like, oh, this has no shark attacks or is this, this is just a random, I can't tell if it's a child or an adult writing this. Um, if... 
you know, if shark attacks are being put on the table for this movie, it's a zero because there are no shark attacks. True. Like, they have a point. Like, maybe metaphor, metaphorically. Metaphorically, sure. I'm yeah. not going to go on with that because yeah. I, I'm, I don't have the energy to no, that's fair. I don't go either. on with this bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I don't have the energy to entertain it. Um, <laughs> so this next one is a one out of ten IMDb titled Perks of Ruining Your Own Classic Novella. The actor playing Charlie was too good looking. I always pictured a young... <laughs> this was written in 2021, by the way. Um, I also I always pictured a young Elliot Smith. I read that the di- director slash writer caved into pressure from the lead actor who was or- originally cast as another character in the book. Probably the jock who looked like a total wimp next to this lofty strapping young man. As for the rest of the kids... They were an iPhone away from being typical millennials rather than 90s misfit slash drama kids. I understand that the book was originally written for a young audience at the time who could relate. And it makes sense that the movie would be targeted to today's youth. But the whole thing just feels phony and forced, especially when they get faux excited about discovering a band like the Cockatoo Twins, all while living in the world where they had never heard of David Bowie's heroes. If you (laughs) like the book, stay away from this adaptation. Um, and then it says zero out of one found this helpful, which means someone downvoted this. Oh, good. Because it's kind of wasn't me though. I would, but (laughs) it's just kind of obnoxious. It is because, like, to say to say the person who wrote the book and then directed the movie for them for them to critique it and go like, oh, they ruined it. It's like that's pretty confident of you to do. It is very confident, and like, I don't think that they come off like kids from today at all they're like i mean we couldn't even we we couldn't figure out if it was the 80s or 90s but that's literally because we didn't grow up in this time so we don't know what it would look like yeah but i don't think how the i don't think it was very contingent on the time period Mm -mm. but i also don't think that they a hundred percent only seemed like millennial teenagers i hate when people act like hipsters are this new thing or like this thing that just appeared in the mid 2000s i'm like no there were pretentious teenagers all throughout history so don't act like you know yeah don't act like it's new (laughs) yeah like i i don't think millennials wouldn't have been in high school in 1991 probably not but they would have been at some point in the 90s would have been in high school Mm -hmm. yeah so i don't really understand the point this person's trying to make i feel like they just think that all millennials is anyone who's in their 20s and younger right now like (laughs) yeah but but yeah that that just seemed a little pretentious Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i read the book it's not a bad adaptation of the book it's just different because there's a a lot more shit happens in the book (laughs) that they can't just put in there but anyway (laughs) i think the only accurate point they had was the david bowie heroes thing yeah that's pretty that's pretty true okay so the next one is a one out of ten from 2016 called first world problems the movie first world problems of rich suburban kids the movie are basically a feature-length episode of degrassi the movie is filled with such whiny pretentious self-righteous self-pity wallowing predictable teenage melodrama that is so falsely attributed to be deep and on point that it's just plain hard to take seriously in any stretch of the word It's also an enigma. It's a film that many teenagers pretend to identify with, even though its its view of typical teenage American life is so hollow, vacuous, and falsified. 
not to mention very exploitative of real insecurities that teenagers feel, which are only used as superficial character-defining traits never to be elaborated on to gain audience sympathy. It also touch only touches on teenagers that live in wealthy suburban areas, making for a very narrow field of their target demographic to represent. It comes across as so insincere and manipulative that it's actually rather infuriating and insufferable. Which to that I have to say, I understand like the part where it's like they're all wealthy white teenagers. Like, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. That it, that it could be said anywhere. But the thing is, kids can go through the these things and like any of the characters are going through mm-hmm. in any life situation. And I don't think that it needs to be fully elaborated on on why all this shit that's happened to them is like a bad thing to happen to them. I think it's just like showing how it's affecting them. And I think that's very effective in re- like help- helping teenagers relate to it. And it just kind of sounded like they were diminishing whatever they were going through. You know, it's just like, you're, it's, it's, a, it's contradicting. Yeah. I think. It's like, do you think nobody's gone through something like what they've gone through in the movie? Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't complete. Like, I, I agree with some things, absolutely. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to respond to this. <laughs> I'm just offended. Like, I love Degrassi. But I love Degrassi because it's, sh- like, cheesy and awful. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> like, this has cheesy moments, of course, because it's mm-hmm. a coming-of-age movie. Yeah. And teenagers are embarrassing sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, like, it is not as bad as Degrassi. No, and like it, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This next one, it's basically pointing a finger at you. Me? It's 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 calling you out. Oh no. Okay, you ready? Oh uh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> it's a one out of ten from 2012, mm-hmm. titled "Bah." Okay, already yeah. yes, <laughs> already. <laughs> I'm I'm much aware people are going to hate me to death for my opinion about this picture, but I'm saying it anyway. From the get-go, I already knew it was going to be a movie for the Juno audience. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mainly because of the irritating teenagers that were in my cinema session. I don't... What? Is this person British? Is that how British people talk or write things? My cinema session. What is that? Like, I think they just mean when they went to the movies to see this, there were a bunch of teenagers there. movie theater. Literally. But moving on to continue... (laughs) Logan Lerman plays a typical nerd who nobody cares about, and as predictable as it could be, he becomes a nice guy after some while, whereas the nice guys become boring. That's how that's been used in they put they just keyboard smashed a bunch of numbers amount of past American movies, and I really don't understand how IMDB users miss that. Emma Watson is just as boring as she is in every movie. The main couple is completely predictable, irritating, and when they had their first kiss was the catalyst for me to leave the cinema room, something I've never done in my entire life. You you sound, this person sounds like they have done that several times in oh, their yeah. life. Because oh, if yeah. this is the movie you walked out in, I can only imagine the other movies you've watched that thought, like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. If you're going to walk out in this movie, there are so many other movies to walk out on. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they have done that. Yeah. They, they keep going. Um, surely the soundtrack is also horrible. Be prepared to listen to strange rock-likely gangs. If you like rock, you won't enjoy it. 
All in all, it's just another typical American teenage drama with nothing else to offer you. They, why did they expose themselves for having such bad music taste? Really, though? Like, yeah. You shouldn't you run around. do that to yourself. You shouldn't run around telling people you don't like the music in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's so You're funny. telling me you don't like Dear God by Ecstasy? <laughs> that's so funny okay so i think that's all of the imdb ones i have the rest are from letterboxd i think there's one more imdb in there somewhere but the next chunk are just from letterboxd um Mm -hmm. so the next the next one is a star and a half and it's from 2013 on letterboxd and says in quotes it says don't you just love old music and then the next quote says things sound so much better on vinyl and then they say, actual lines of dialogue spoken in this movie. Fuck you, you self-absorbed, pretentious douchebags. Half a star for each, for the three leads who I thought delivered competent performances despite the material they had to work with. Okay, but I've definitely said those sentences out loud multiple <laughs> times in my life. I've said it so many times. And you know what? It's like one of those things where like, I should be embarrassed, but I'm not. Doesn't it just, just sound not. so much better on vinyl? <laughs> I've said that so many I know. times. <laughs> and not because of this movie. I'll just say that. I'll yeah. just say it. Yeah. I mean, your your parents, your family had like a record player already before you saw mm-hmm. this movie, right? Like Oh, oh yeah. We I had a record player at 13 years old. So, this is that well, That's is around the that time movie this movie out. came out. I know I didn't get one be- I did I didn't get it because of that movie. Sure. I got it because I'm because I'm a hi- I'm I'm a hipster. I was a hipster. Sure. And just so happened that and this movie obnoxious in my own way. <laughs> just so happened that this movie came out in 2012 and you bought it when you were 13, but whatever. I hey, I'm not going to blame this movie for me being annoying. <laughs> I was annoying my own way. Yeah, fair. By myself. <laughs> I think I got one soon after seeing this movie. So I'm not going to say that I I didn't get one because of this yeah. movie. But Did I you also get a mini one. I got a Crosley Cruiser. I got the one of the suitcase ones. I want a traveling one. Yeah, I think I, that's I, a, it's it's probably the one of the most obnoxious things I've ever said. But I really want a um traveling record player. It is. I can imagine. I can imagine fun. you and Austin in the park, dressed also like fucking hipsters, just <laughs> on a picnic blanket playing your fucking vinyls. We would totally do that. Though. I know. That sounds nice. I'm gonna pitch it to him. I'm gonna tell you right now. We're probably gonna get one soon after after I say it to him. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. Um, so this next one's from 2014. Is it one star review? And it just says, "Wow, boy, jeez, you guys weren't kidding. It sure makes this painfully accurate parody of an indie movie trailer video seem painfully accurate." It's, I'm kind of like okay. A lot of these are. They're mean, but, like, I get it. <laughs> and they're only mean because it, it feels personal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. I know what this movie turned me into. Yeah. So I'm not going to fight them on that. But oh, if they no. are, Yeah. But if they are critiquing the impact of this movie, I will fight. Okay. So this next one's a half star. And it is from 2021. This movie sucks so bad. Emma Watson can't even save it. And it did worse than just a bad movie. It spawned an army of wallflowers who believe that they are destined for greatness and different than everyone else, even though they are just the just people who Naruto run through the halls and listen to <laughs> 80s music and reminisce about a time they weren't even born in. I hate you, Perks of Being a Wallflower. More like Perks of Being a Balls Flower. All right, sick burn. 
too. <laughs> we did Naruto. I never run. Naruto. I never did that. And okay. I'm gonna tell you right now, no kid who does Naruto run liked that movie as much as we did. So yeah. I mean, it's saying. possible, but I feel like it was maybe the kids I knew ten year Naruto run. There's no way they liked that movie. There's no, no way. way the kids who did that and I were watching the same movie. No, we did not take the impact of this movie the same way. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, you got us on everything else, though. Mm-hmm. I can't fight you on that. We never called ourselves wallflowers. Um, oh no, we weren't that lame. <laughs> I was. I think I was. Um, we thought it, but. <laughs> okay, so the next one is a three out of ten from 2013 on IMDb, and it is titled "A More Gritty Teen Film." I agree with other the other reviewers who have said that this in no way, this in no way is an average high school movie. While others pretend, others tend to apply a more rose-tinted view or even a version of how adults perceive it to be, this film has a feel of being authentic about it. The cast are all pretty much unknowns to me, but play their roles very strongly. They capture all the heart and warmth of the subject matter while dealing with equally, dealing equally with some very heavy issues. Emma Watson of Harry Potter fame is is the big name going in, though. And once you get used to her American accent, you realize how it, what a talent she is. My only negative point is that the film should be a certi- should be higher than a twelve certificate, which I'm guessing is how they rate movies in other countries. So it should be it shouldn't be PG thirteen. Oh. It should be rated a little higher. Um, okay. The blurb on the DVD box makes it sound much more cheery, but be warned that there are some pretty dark and disturbing moments with the running time within the running time. I think a 15 certificate would have been more suitable. So basically just saying, like, should have been rated a little bit higher. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Like, I, don't I don't know. I don't think a 12-year-old should be watching this, but I watched it when I was, like, 12 or 13. That's so. the thing. I, I want to say, no, a 12-year-old shouldn't watch this, but I know I was probably around that age. So I can't – I'd just be a hypocrite if I just said that. So. And the thing is, I don't think that the – fir- the first time I watched this movie, I don't think – that the things that would be dark or disturbing really stood out mm-hmm. to me as much as they would if I were to watch it when I was older and like understood yeah. the world a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. I was watching worse movies than that yeah. by 12. So it's not like, I mean, I, I, I really can't say it should have been rated higher when no. I was watching it. My parents, have age, been so. take, my parents have been showing me and taking me to see rated R movies since I was like able to walk because they don't want to call a babysitter. <laughs> they just take me with them. Like... <laughs> I don't That's think person being a wallflower is really going <laughs> to yeah. really hurt. Um, yeah. But the last two I have are generally positive. Like that last one wasn't completely negative. It just the rating no, bothered I, them, which I think is like fair. A, I, that's a fair thing to yeah. talk about. Yeah. Definitely. The next one I have is not as emotional as the one I'm going to read after it. I just want to preface that. It, um, the, next, the one after that's pretty emotional. So I'm going to start with this one <laughs> and we're going to end <laughs> on the really emotional one. Yeah. So this is a four-star review from 2020, and it just says, this is on Letterboxd, um, why don't you go and scroll through 2012 to 2014 Tumblr and try and tell me that this wasn't a complete cultural reset? We are infinite, bitch. <laughs> yes. 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 I love that. <laughs> I agree. It Cultural <laughs> Control reset. It definitely did not help with the amount of like early nineties nostalgia mm-hmm. 
that it was oh, on no. on Tumblr oh, no. being posted Obviously by people because... who were born in 2000. So it caused so much damage for that. Oh yeah. Okay, but this next one is probably one of my favorite reviews of this movie because it just it really captures how much of an impact this movie can have on people. So it's a five-star review from 2018. And it says, ah, yes, this movie about privileged rich kids dealing with their meaningless shallow problems like the lingering trauma of child sexual abuse, dealing with grief over your best friend's suicide, being openly gay and receiving receiving brutal homophobia and dismissal from the man you love, being cheated on and abandoned in relationships and dealing with depression and crippling social anxieties by making connections and bonding with people to find some form of solace and beauty in the world filled with such deep pain. This movie was the first time I ever saw someone that felt like me. And it's still one of those, it's still one of the only ones. This movie has helped me through initial doubts over my diagnosis, over depressive periods throughout my life, through my intense self-hatred and physically violent lapses. It has existed with me and grown with me. And now as I approach the end of my adolescent self, I look back and imagine Charlie and dream for him a world where his traumas healed and everything became okay and it makes me believe that mine will too. And I'm going to cry. <laughs> I uh, started making faces. <laughs> I, I uh, couldn't, uh, my emotions. Yeah, but really... that's why I love this movie. Yeah, because of that. Exactly. Like, they, they said it so beautifully. Yeah, like, they, they really did. This movie was relatable in the best way possible. Like, Absolutely. It's wonderful. And, like, I don't, I don't think I can sum it up better than that. Like, of, of course, huh. like, it's cheesy. But what is a teen coming-of-age movie without the cheesiness? It's exactly. nothing. Like, if you it's were... It's got to be a little bit cringy. Yeah. Because like, teenagers are cringy. <laughs> yes. Because, like, as much as, like... Because when you're a teenager watching this, you're younger than the characters that you're watching mm-hmm. this. You're like, wow, they seem so cool. Mm-hmm. And then you become an adult and you realize, oh, those are just kind of cringy <laughs> things to say. And that's yeah. fine. But it's like... it's like You're allowed how, to be... You're yeah. allowed to do that. <laughs> it's like what we, we talked about with Juno. Mm-hmm. teenagers are the cringiest people on the planet mm-hmm. and we all go through that phase we yeah. all have had something we did or said that we look back on and we're like oh god yeah you know so it's <laughs> i think that makes them a little more accurate and relatable and it causes Absolutely. teenagers to say some more cheesy things in real life mm-hmm. you're allowed to be a teenager when you're a teenager you yeah. know don't be a teenager when you're an adult that's worse (laughs) you know worse (laughs) well even worse than that don't try to be an adult when you're a teenager teenager no kidding like just be a kid like if there are any teenagers listening just let yourself be a teenager okay yeah because you're gonna miss this time when you get out of it okay it's Mm -hmm. it's it's worth it to just let yourself feel your adolescence and be dorky and cheesy and cringy and if you haven't watched this movie watch this movie it'll perfectly sum up what we mean (laughs) You know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. But yeah, this movie will always hold a very special place in my heart. And I feel very mm-hmm. similarly to how the last commenter, not commenter, reviewer did with this movie. I don't yeah. specifically, you know, relate to Charlie, but there's other characters in it that like the mm-hmm. shit they're going through was relatable to me as a teenager. So mm-hmm. like it, it has something for everyone, even if it's like the tiniest minuscule detail about a character is what you relate to. That's fine. I think that's just something that's very, very special. And mm-hmm. I'm going to give this movie a 5 out of 5 because it deserves it for me. I would also give it a 5 out of 5. It's a great, it's one of those movies I grew up with that mm-hmm. I love, still love to this day. I know, I know what it is and I love it for it. Yeah, it's just a wonderful, authentic, 
open book of a movie. I forgot to say this in the beginning, but did you also want to cut your hair like Emma Watson's hair in this movie? Because I did. I wanted a pixie cut so bad, but I was too scared to get it. I was still recovering from when all my hair got chopped off into a pixie cut without me wanting yeah. it cut that way. Yeah. So I didn't. Can't I, I personally did not want my hair like that. Um, I still want my hair like that a little bit. I just am so, like, the shortest I've ever gotten my hair was, like, a little bit above my jawline. Mm. And that looked fine. Like, it was cute. I think I've gotten close yeah. to the length that she had. She just had it shorter in the front. She almost had a mullet, didn't she? She did, kind of. Because, like, she would, yeah. pin, she would pin back the sides. She had, like, yeah. a, basically what I do with my hair. <laughs> with my mullet. I don't think I ever really wanted that short of hair at that point because I was like, I have to grow my hair out as long as possible to recover from the pixie cut that I got. Yeah. So yeah. I think now if I were to watch it, it's like every time I watch Amelie, I want to cut my bangs. But anyway, if this movie meant anything to you growing up or if you've watched it recently and you felt impacted by it, please let us know. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Easy Bake Takes. Our DMs are open. You're welcome to talk to us and comment and let us know how you feel and suggest movies to us. But we also have a YouTube channel that we will be like uploading podcast episodes onto. We'll probably be using the YouTube channel to make like video essay type things as well. Look out for us on YouTube. Just look up Easy Bake Takes. We should show up. And thank you so much for listening. This has been Easy Bake Takes. I'm Kat. And I'm Riley. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye. Thank you.